the champion of middle schoolers everywhere, and his name is Andrew Tate. Oh, I thought you were going to say Mr. Beast. Oh, frick. <laughs> Donovan, cheers to episode five. Cheers. Hey everybody, welcome back to Shoot, Shovel, and Shut Up, where today me and Donovan are going to be talking about a lot of things. The most important one in my Rolodex of information floating around in my brain is involving good conservative masculine influencers. That's what we're all about. But the problem when they're not Christian and the, the, mm. the pitfalls that can be associated with that. What do you want to talk about today? Um, that sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Um, well, we're both enjoying an A late because it is a late one. Mm, it is a late one. We're recording on a Wednesday night after Braden got off of working his day job, which is a youth pastor. Yeah. Um, and right now, uh, the moon and Jupiter. Are in conjunction. Hold on. This is part one of one of my fun facts. Oh, we're, so we're just diving right in. Fun facts, baby. Let's yeah, go. Uh, so I've gotten pretty into astronomy lately, and I have like now. This... Hold on, real quick for everyone at home. There is a difference. There's astronomy, astrology, and there's astrology. Astronomy is science. Astrology is what middle class white women do to try and define their personality. Go on. So we're talking about astronomy. Science. Science. Um, really enjoy learning about stars and constellations. Mm-hmm. Um, and just getting to like see the different planets at different times and visibilities throughout the day. Um, right now, you're not going to know this because this will come out on Sunday, mm. but uh, the moon and Jupiter are currently in conjunction. But on Monday... January 30th at, I'm looking at my phone so I don't get this wrong, at 6.08 a.m., Mercury will emerge in the east and reach 15 degrees above the horizon by sunrise. And so Mercury is normally pretty close to the sun. Okay. So if you're awake at 6.08 a.m., go outside when you're looking at the sunrise. See if you can spot Mercury. You should see it to the right mm-hmm. of the sun. Um, it's going to look like a be, little star, a little, little blinking star. It'll, it should look pretty, pretty big and bright. Really? Yeah. Awesome. And you'll be able to see Mercury. Well, it's um, going to be tough where we're at because we live in a valley and surrounded by mountains, so we might have to go up and yeah, see it I mean, somewhere. Yeah, most of the time Mercury stays pretty close to the sun, but by the point that you can actually like see it, yeah. it's pretty much like the sun is so bright at that point that, that you're kind of is, like, it kind of gets over, like, over, over bright overpowered. overpowered. Yeah, yeah. The sun gets so bright, it just washes it out. Yeah, pretty much. But it's going to be at a, at a further enough distance that it's going to be all lit up. Yeah. On awesome. Monday, January 30th. 2023. Mercury. So if this is 20, 2024 and you're listening to this, you've already missed it. Yeah. Unless it happens the same time every year. So that was part one. Huh? Uh, so that was part one? Well, part one was me talking about Jupiter. Oh, wait, what does the, it mean with the moon and Jupiter being in conjunction? It means that they're they're kind of at the same latitude in the sky. So it's like oh. you you can see the moon. It's a uh, I believe it's waxing right now. It's getting because bigger. yeah, next Wednesday will be a full moon. It is waxing then. Waxing is when the moon gets bigger. Waning is when the moon gets smaller. Yeah, and I was actually planning on talking about that next week for my fun fact. We're gonna oh. I'm have astronomy fun facts every now and then. Interesting. Yeah. So 
We're going to do two in a row. Probably. I mean, we could. I might. It doesn't really matter. So my fun fact is talk about lore of the moon. Lore of the moon. Why when a full moon comes out, Mm -hmm. crime rates go up, uh, werewolves come come out. out. Well, I think crime rate might just go up on a full moon because it's easier to see at night. We'll talk about it. (laughs) Who knows? We'll do some research. Yeah. Well, okay, so my fun fact is not near as, uh, how do you say, renaissance? My fun fact is going back to World War One. So. Is this your favorite oh, of, of the World Wars, or is that no, World War Two? Which I would never, I would, I would never seek to classify either of the World Wars as a favorite. But as a topic of history, yeah, I prefer yeah. I prefer the Second World War. I'm trying to remember how you phrased it in a different episode where you're like, like your favorite historical topic is yes, that's yeah. a, yes. So that's the Second World War. Okay. Uh, so, but this oh, I do want to make a revision. So in episode three, I believe my my fact was about American uh, bomber crews suffering higher losses than the United States Marine Corps mm-hmm. uh, in the Pacific. The problem is with that fact is that while it is correct, they did sustain higher losses, I grossly overstated the the losses. So I said around 48,000 bombers, like not not bombers, but but pilots, you know, airmen lost their lives. It was actually 26,000. And so like half of what I said initially. So I had to correct myself on that one. And the Marine Corps lost around 25,000. So pretty close. They're, they're pretty close, but it's still incredible that um, the just the bombing air wing of the United Army's Air Corps lost more men than the than the entire Marine Corps did in the Pacific. Fighting a ground war, it still blows my mind. Take anyway, everything we say with a grain of salt. No, no, that one's true. I, I got it now. I got it now. That was correct. Anyway, I just had to correct it. The numbers I said in the last episode were wrong. Anyway, so, but on to my fact of today, which is involves the First World War, involves... The pump-action shotgun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. America, am I right? So the war started in 1914, right? Now, Europe went into war. Germany, France, Russia, England, they're all fighting each other. The Ottoman Empire is still a thing. You know, they're all going at it. America was largely like, we'll sell you weapons, but we don't want any part of this. Well, they joined the war eventually in 1917, Okay. So, 1917, America enters the war. It's been three years of just bloody conflict in the trenches. They've been, like, losing thousands of lives to just gain a few feet of of front, you know. Or losing a few thousand lives in a battle where they lose a few inches or a few feet of land. Because they're all fighting in these static trenches, right? Mm -hmm. America shows up and... You know, they they we're like okay, we got a bunch of French troop, fresh troops, and we've got a bunch of fresh um, perspective, and we're gonna fight a much more mobile war against the Germans. So what do they do? They arm all, not all, sorry, it's there. There wasn't actually that many of them, but they get as many pump shotguns as they can from. I almost committed a heresy, Mister John Moses Browning. This man makes a good old pump shotgun, right? So they, they, yeah, they buy a bunch of them and they get as many of them as they can over to France. And so these Americans are hopping down in German trenches. Now the Germans are 
They've got machine guns, but these are big, heavy machine guns that are in fixed positions. They can't be easily moved. Um, and so once you get past the machine guns, then you're dealing with a bunch of foot soldiers who are using single-shot, single bolt-action rifles. So you drop in with a pump-action shotgun, you can lay down with buckshot so much more hate than the than your counterparts. Yeah. So you have a bunch of these guys. And also, by the way, these shotguns are also with a fixed bayonet that's about 18 inches long. So you can imagine these guys charging across the field with gas masks on, dropping down the trenches and just kaboom, 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 kaboom. And they called him a trench sweeper mm-hmm. because it would just annihilate trenches. It was a very effective weapon. And so in fact, get this. It was This is my fact. It was so effective that the Germans attempted to outlaw it and say that it was in war, and say they weren't allowed to use it in in accords with the Geneva Convention. There's a line in there that says weapons shall not be implemented that um, create or cause undue harm and suffering, which is, I mean, I get where they're going with it. That goes along with, like, mustard gas and... Okay. The Germans, in 1914 and 15, introduced mustard gas... This was after the pump action shotgun. This is before. This is before. Before, and they, do you know what they also used? Hmm. Flamethrowers. Yeah, that's definitely you, way worse than would, a pump action tell me, shotgun. Would you rather your lung drown within your own lungs with the chemical reaction of mustard gas, get burned to death by a flamethrower, or die getting shot with buckshot? What's worse? <sighs> flamethrower would be pretty cool. No. Dude, a ball of glory, man. Um, my, uh, I have a great grandfather who served in World War II in the Pacific. He was a flamethrower. I think he'd disagree with you. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, so they tried to do that, and uh, the but definitely, man, definitely a pump action would be a lot more comfortable. Yeah, yeah, I would take that one. That's not that's my point. Uh, is that the Germans? It was it was it was whack. They in fact they went so far as to say that any American that was caught with a shotgun with Shotgun shells with others who were carrying a shotgun, they were all going to be executed. And the man, the myth, the legend, General Pershing, who was in charge of the American Expeditionary Force, said, all right, well, we're going to execute any German that we find that has a flamethrower or uses uses chemical warfare. And so it it was kind of like this political... Uh, battle that happened over top of the action and there's no documented cases which is a little sketchy you know mm. because when you commit a war crime you don't exactly document it unless you're the nazis in world war Two, because they documented everything uh but uh in, yeah, in world war one uh there's no documented cases of either germans or american pow's being executed for carrying these weapons but it's i think it's interesting to note that the pump action shotgun drew so much hate from the opposition that they attempted to ban it in accordance with the Geneva Convention. But it never got banned. No, it never did. And we still use shotguns in combat today. Yep. Um, so uh, that's my fact. Um, Donovan, today's a special episode. I'm excited about this one. We have our first guest. Yes. So uh, let me introduce to you. Wait, wait. We got to hype him up. First. I know. I'm about to. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I'm doing. I got this whole role. I asked him a bunch of questions earlier. Right, this right. man graduated college with a bachelor's degree at the age of 19. He is Swiftwater level four certified. He has a wilderness first responder that unlike me is still active. 
He is a dear friend of mine. He is the premier hype man at Snowbird, no matter what they say about some guy named Rouleau. Uh, and he is he was a, the part of the original fire team uh, system at Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters. Ladies and world gentlemen, traveler. Oh, he's also a world traveler. Yeah, absolutely. World traveler. Ladies and gentlemen, I, me and Donovan would like to uh, introduce to you the man, the myth. The legend, Mr. Cam Dog Cameron Schwartz. Yeah. Boopity boop. Hey. What's up, guys? Good to see you. How's it going? Thanks for coming on. Let me just crack one open. There we go. Also, I mean, I'm not trying to tell you guys how to to do your show, but, Mm -hmm. you know, we're trying to monetize. We're trying to get that sponsorship so, you know, labels out. Oh, sorry about that. There you go. go. Hey, check us out on the YouTube if you want to see it. AL8, sponsor us. We love your soda. <laughs> Very good. Hey. Delish. It is. Um, see, do you have a fun fact for us? I do. Before I do have a fun jump fact. Into this yeah. So, uh, so I love learning about the history of like of spirits and liquors and different like alcohol products. When you say spirits, it's it's not like spirits. It's it's alcohol. It's alcohol. But uh, because you know, for better or for worse, people get super super passionate about alcohol. Right. Um, and inevitably, when there's, like, human passion about something, there's going to be a lot of, like, really crazy stories that come out of it. Sure. Um, and so, what a lot of people don't know about, though, is they don't know about the history of America's first spirit, America's first liquor. Okay. Um, and so, it was produced by this company called Laird's, and it was called Applejack. And so, No way. Yeah. Like the, like the, the like cereal? The like yeah. the cereal. So, uh, so, kind of the history there is, you know, the first... You know, colonists are coming over from England, and they're used to having beer pretty regularly. You know, they serve it with meals a lot of times because, you know, water was unsafe to drink, and it just tastes good. Mm-hmm. Um, but you go over to America, and it's really difficult to produce beer at scale when you don't have the infrastructure for it. Also expensive to ship. And so for both of those things, you know, just beer wasn't the answer for a lot of people. Mm. And so what became the drink of choice in colonial America was rum. And so that's getting shipped up from the Caribbean and, like, all the slave plantations and things like that. Okay. But when the revolution breaks out, England is controlling all of that trade, so naturally the taxes get jacked way up. That's part of the reason why the uh, the Boston Tea Party happened. You know, we yeah. we talk about tea and we talk about sugar and stuff. A big part of it was also rum. You know, that, that gets... Oh, so, so to clarify, the, the yeah. reason rum became a big alcoholic beverage in the colonies was not because they were producing it, but no. because they would come from the Caribbean yeah. and stop over... In the colonies. Yeah, it was much cheaper to ship it because it was much closer to the production Mm. site. Okay. Um, But yeah, so, you know, they, when you learn about the Boston Tea Party in like fifth grade history or whatever, they don't tell you that. A lot of it was really just a bunch of people who wanted their booze. Interesting. Uh, Yeah. And so. I mean, if I have my choice between booze or tea, well, I'm I'm not, I'm going to pour pour the tea into the harbor. Absolutely. But I think I might. You're going to steal the booze and take that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so we get to Applejack and so apples, you know, are native to the United States or native to North America. And, you know, you hear the story of Johnny Appleseed. He's out there, he's planting the trees and that was all to produce this beverage. And so it's called Applejack because it came from New England, that same area that's rioting in the revolution. Mm -hmm. And the way they would produce it is is a process called Jack distilling, where what you do is you take, uh, apple juice, concentrate it. And then you'd leave it outside in these barrels, you know, in the cold New England winters. And the water would freeze before the alcohol. So when the water mm. freeze froze, they would just jack it off, take the water out. And then when it inevitably melted again, there would be less water left in this thing. 
and now there would be a higher concentration of alcohol. Because alcohol doesn't freeze. They would as let quickly the, as water. Yeah. To, to, to get the alcohol out, they would allow nature to do the process for them. Yeah, so it was super, super simple. Um, the only thing is, is also jack distilling is a really imprecise process. Mm-hmm. Um, so you so hear about, some of it will make you blind and some of it Some of it, it is, will make you blind and some of it you'll be like, I'm just drinking, you know, Mott's Tots. <laughs> just apple juice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, it took over the United States by storm. So that's why apples, you know, got, I mean, just got their popularity in the States. Like that's Johnny Appleseed. It was to make liquor. I'm so, I mean, man, school told me that Johnny Appleseed loved apple pies. But mm-hmm. here... I'm finding out that John App- Johnny Appleseed was just a daggum, no good, low down booze peddler. Yeah, and so to to, <sighs> to kind of bring it to what the I guess what I would say the one fact is, although that's a bunch of facts there. There is a lot of um, is you know so Applejack grows in popularity. It's the drink of choice in America throughout pretty much the entire 1800s, and then you get to Prohibition mm. um, in the 1920s, and so obviously you know that's going to shut down all of this Applejack production. Mm. And you have all of these apple farms that all of a sudden, like, the reason they exist has been outlawed. Like, they say, estimates, there's something like 80% of apple production in the United States was exclusively going towards producing liquor. Oh, my god! So you have 80% of an industry that's wiped out with a single act. So what they do is they get together one of the first genius marketing campaigns in American history. And they start, you know, uh, pushing apples as health food. And this is where the oh, phrase, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. It was invented by apple farmers who were just trying to figure out what to do with all these dang apples because they couldn't get people drunk off of them So anymore. they were like, eat them. Please, yeah, buy them, eat, eat them. them. So, yeah. And then apple pie. Like, we, 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 like people say, what's more American than apple pie? Yeah. That's had to have come from that time frame as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I, that's pretty cool. I have to agree with that. Like, apple pie is phenomenal. If you, ma- if you get the right apple, if you make a good apple pie... I don't mm-hmm. think that there's other pies that really hold a candle to it. Now, if you get yeah. subpar apple pie, like then it's like, yeah, like it can it can go bad. It can really it can quick. be like just really basic. But my, so, so Applejack, you oh, know, sorry, never. I didn't know you're done. No, no, no. It's just it's just never recovered post prohibition. That's why we don't see it much now. Yeah. So the only company that produces it to scale in the United States is Laird's. That first company that produced They're still it, a thing. They are still a thing. And they still listeners. are at their original site from the 1790s. Hey, listeners, uh, if you're yep. over the age of 21, we need to keep Laird's going. I need you to get online right now. Uh, mm-hmm. We've actually got a link in the description below to uh, to take you to Laird's and uh, and buy some of their stuff. Yeah. We'll have a bottle of it next week. Drink responsibly. Only Absolutely. responsibly. Yeah, so that's that's my uh, that's my Camden. Fun fact. I knew that having you on this podcast was going to be a treat. That was probably the best fact that we've introduced thus far. I don't know. You figure out that uh, that history is wrong and everything's about getting drunk. Ah, history <laughs> history has gotten so filtered, mm-hmm. and I find myself wondering a lot of times, like how how different would culture be if we were just honest about where we came from? Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's it's scary nowadays to think that like you know we're we're not talking about certain things that were talked about whenever we were in school. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could think of an example right now if y'all can think of one. But I, I know a lot of things are being taken out of school or just not being taught. Like mm-hmm. I think Abraham Lincoln, certain things about him are being taught less or. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I, and here's an example. I mean, I was taught as a, I read a book in when I was in middle school or maybe younger about 
or George Washington cutting down an apple tree. Mm-hmm. All comes back to apples. Yeah. Anyway, but but like, and, and, and when he was asked about it, he he fessed up, and it's just this story of honesty. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. It never happened. Like it was literally like American propaganda to. Yep. Pro- but I mean, everyone loved him. He was a great war leader. Like I, like they had a lot of respect for him. Um, but it's like, uh, to your point, Donnie, I'm, I wish that history would be less that not so much about trying to make these men bigger than they were, mm. but just allow their legacy to be cemented on what they actually accomplished. This yeah. actually uh, is a beautiful segue into our topic tonight. Well, I, oh. real quick, I do want to add not only um, their legacy being based off of like their accomplishments, but also us being able to look back and learn from the mistakes yeah. mm-hmm. of people from history. We can't just blot out bad, offensive things that have happened. Yeah. Um, otherwise, we're just going to repeat these bad, offensive things. Um, I say offensive with quotations just because people will agree or disagree on certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what is offensive these days? What is offensive? It's mm-hmm. it's different for everybody. Right. Um, but we do need to know people are real. And people are going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And we can either take advantage of other people making mistakes for us and learning from it so that we don't have to. Or we can forget about it and just learn on our own the hard way. Yeah. Which um, will happen. Which will happen. It's harder every time. Yep. Also, I think that is, uh, I mean, that's something that makes me so thankful for the Bible and the way that it portrays its characters, so to speak. You know, Absolutely. like there are, there are no, you know, supermen in the Bible. You know, there's, we don't have these larger-than-life figures. Like, you brought up Abe Lincoln. I think he's a great example in American history where he is just essentially preached in such a way that he is just this... Can perfect, do no wrong. Yeah, can do no wrong. Honest is perfectly Abe. good and upright yeah, figure. Yeah. And he did a lot of good in his life, but he still was a flawed dude that had things going on. But you see in the Bible that we have these characters who were deeply flawed, but God still used them, and they just have these complex lives. Like, there's a complexity to life that... You know, it doesn't get taught a lot, but it's just real, and we can learn from it. The the example that always pops to my head is David. You know, we're 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 told in Sunday school, we read it in the Bible. He's a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. He also commits what, to me personally, is one of the worst atrocities in the Bible, yeah. where he sleeps with one of his most loyal men's wives while his man uh, while his soldier is on campaign. Yeah, and then to cover it up has that soldier murdered and then takes his wife to be his own, the story of David and Bathsheba. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, man, how, where's, where's, how can you take a man that God literally describes as being after his own heart, uh, in, in love and in valor and in responsibility. And then we'll stoop to such a low to be like, he's already got a wife, Mm -hmm. but not only is he not fighting with his troops, but he's sleeping with their wives and then murdering them to cover it up. You know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, and David is awesome. He's got so much David and Goliath. You know, he he, he re- reunites the kingdom, but then I'm sorry, I just thought of something really inappropriate. You can just of course, you did. <laughs> oh man, the highs and lows of Canvas Warning. Bring in the Bible, and then also bring in yeah. <laughs> anyway. So uh, yeah, and the the cultural context is so important too. Where I think we look back in history, and like even going back to the Abe Lincoln thing, where like slavery is very common. Like obviously, yeah. he did a lot to um, like abolish slavery, but. He did so while also having slaves, which is a very common thing. Um, not not to say because yeah, yeah, he did, um, and not say that just because it was common that means that it was right. But looking at like the cultural context 
um, that's something nowadays is extremely frowned upon. Right? So it was way more normal back then. And so you can't blot it out just because it doesn't align with today's context. Yeah. Today's agenda. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We can't say he never did it. But we also can't just say he was a terrible person because he did. It's like, they like right, because it's like, like David. Was he a man after God's own heart or was he an adulterous murderer? Yes. Both, yeah. And I think, I think, okay, so and now we can start progressing. Though the, the, I think a lot of us, which we would all classify ourselves as more conservative than liberal politically. I mean, you might be I'll have you take that back. No. <laughs> <laughs> you might be libertarian for sure. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Libertarian. Anyway. But anarchic. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're not we're not gonna be part of the far left. Yeah. But the far left's agenda, by and large, is not just erase history, but hate it. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a product of propaganda to uh, you know uphold the wealthy you know oppress yeah. the poor oppress the minority you know that that's the perspective they're pushing and so we've seen that right from for the past two decades you know coming up and so i'm not going to dwell too much on that because now it's interesting camden you and i were talking about this the other night is yeah. um we've seen such a a, a push to move American and Western culture as a whole away from traditional values, mm-hmm. you know, away from a monogamous mo- monogamous marriage of a man and a wife, you know, away from yeah. uh, being um, centered on uh, a community, you know, away from being centered on um, the roles of a husband and a wife and their children. You know, it's now we're moving more towards you define your own truth. You know, you define your own gender. We we had to create a documentary called what is a woman? Cause there was, there was genuine confusion apparently. Right. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, so, so all that's happening. And, and so what we, what, what Camden and I was talking about the other night was how interesting it is now to see kind of a rebound uh, against that, not necessarily coming from solely Christian circles. Right, we see a bunch of young, particularly I think young men. Uh, at least that's that's what I'm aware of because I'm one of them. Uh, and uh, pushing back against this idea of man needs to be uh, reduced, you know, not, uh, subdued and not aggressive, not take charge, mm-hmm. not um, uh, everything that man is, <laughs> and uh, yeah. and and I think a, a lot of men now who have been raised in that system, who are now coming into age of adulthood, mm-hmm. have felt that pressure of that system. That's like now they're like, no, I want to go to the gym and lift weights. Yeah, I want to go out and 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 push my body. I want to be successful. I want to actually get good grades in school. Back in the day, if you wanted to be rebellious, <laughs> you failed your classes. Yeah, now to be rebellious. You like take the time to be a good student because that's the yeah. that's outside the norm, right? And well, so, and I mean, even politically, they they've done studies to show that you know as Gen Zers are like getting to where more and more of them are becoming a voting population, mm-hmm. they skew far more conservative than you know the millennials before them, right? Um, and like it's, I would still I would still classify it as a subculture, you know mm-hmm. what you're talking about, but like it's, it's, sure. it's growing. You know, yeah, and it that's exists. And, something and it, that didn't it's happen vocal. before. Yeah. yeah, and so my what, what I want to talk to you guys about is the the, the big vocal proponents that's driving the the, the that's this culture, mm-hmm. uh, the, this this counterculture move back towards the the right and back towards the middle. You know, away from yeah. the left. 
uh, and people like this uh, who are really uh, prominent on YouTube um, and on different social media apps and uh, like men who are driving the um, f- philosophical, um, you know, kind of spear point that a yeah. lot of these young men are getting their um, ideas from are men mm-hmm. like Jordan Peterson. Uh, like the, conservative men? Yeah, well, I'm just saying men who are, who are trying to get, yeah, the men who are, who are sick of being told that they need to not be... To be more sensitive and subdued. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which, yeah. you know, and again, like we talked about this on our first podcast, there's nothing wrong with a sensitive man. Right. right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but a man who is still capable of violence. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. A man who is also capable of ready for action, disciplining himself, you know, a man who's going to go out and try and conquer in a good way, you know, like Mm -hmm. conquer the business world, you know, conquer, you know, just go out and achieve things, you know, young men. Oh yeah. Sorry. I'm I'm hitting the table. I do apologize to the listener. Uh, but, um, so a lot of young men are wanting this, right? And so Jordan Peterson, he's a clinical psychologist, and he's a um, if you if you if you dear listener doesn't know who Jordan Peterson is, you should look his stuff up. It's awesome. Have uh, you heard the uh, the recent drama that he's going through? He's going through drama. Yeah, man, everybody in the conservative circle is going through drama. Well, right um, uh, is it about his license? Being it's about his license limbo? potentially getting pulled. Okay, uh, but well, let's yeah, get into that in a second. This. I want to I want to yeah. introduce this and then let yeah, you guys yeah, yeah. talk because I've been doing a lot of talking. But uh, is that? So Jordan Peterson, uh, he's he's the clinical psychologist. He's also a philosopher. He teaches philosophy at Toronto. I don't know if he still does, but I know that's what he was doing a lot of. Uh, and he makes a lot of videos. He makes a lot of public talks. Basically, like he encourages young men to do stuff like make their bed, you know, and and go out and and make them something of themselves because they are responsible for me. Like he's, it's really awesome. I, mm-hmm. I enjoy a lot of his stuff. Uh, Jocko Willink. We've, we've referenced him a lot on the podcast. Yeah, cool. uh, he is awesome. He's a former Navy SEAL. Now he goes around the country and he does seminars uh, teaching pe- particularly business owners how to run a more efficient business, how to be good leaders. Mm-hmm. He also pushes a big um, doctrine of being disciplined. Um, there's extreme other, ownership extreme is ownership, one of his biggest yeah. topics. Yeah, that's, he has, in fact, a book t- titled Extreme Ownership. Yep. I love, he, uh, he does a TED Talk as well that's really good, so it's kind of... There's a link in the description yeah, as well if you want to buy Extreme Ownership, so check it out. Um, yeah, the, I, I recommend reading the book, but also he has like a 10-minute TED Talk. Mm. Um, we can put that link in the description as well. It's on YouTube. Um, where he, it's just a condensed version of what he talks about in the book. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, this past summer, I was a part of something called the Servant Team Program at Snowbird, where mm-hmm. basically I got to like oversee and disciple uh, 10 high school age students for uh, 12 weeks. Who would ten, give you 10 that weeks? Kind of I know, yeah. for real. Um, but that was the first thing that I did with them is watch that video and be like, this is this is the standard, like what we expect mm. of you during the summer. Dude, that's an awesome way to um, set the standard. Yeah, and yeah, go watch it. I'm not going to talk about it anymore just because I think the listeners should go watch it. Yeah. Um, obviously, after you either watch or listen to this mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah, finish this first. Yeah, finish this first. Um, and then go watch that or listen to it, and you'll understand. Like, it's so good. So other big proponents, of it, I'm going to introduce two more characters, and then I want to get into this conversation, is one of them is Joe Rogan. He's definitely more, you know, libertarian, liberal-leaning politically. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to vote much more left-leaning than I am. But he also is really, if you listen to any of his podcasts, he's really fed up with the nonsensical left movements of like transgender and compelled speech and 
the COVID, you know, mm-hmm. outbreak. He was a really loud voice against mandates. Um, and mm-hmm. so a lot of the left will, you know, puts him in the box of, um, you know, conservatism, even though he's not there. But he also is a, as a guy who's like, man, be, be responsible, be hardworking, you know, take care of your body, you know, all this yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, and then the last person I want to introduce is somebody that I do not look up to at all, but he is uh, the champion of middle schoolers everywhere, and his name is Andrew Tate. Oh, I thought you were going to say Mr. Beast. Oh, frick. <laughs> no, we're not even going to get into Mr. Beast. But Andrew Tate definitely also would lean, probably, if you were to look at him politically, is maybe he's mm. a bit apolitical, but like the things he promotes... Yeah, I mean he's not he's not in America. No, yeah. he's in a Romanian prison. Yeah, interesting. We'll get into that. Um, but but he nonetheless he is a big influence because he, I think the reason he's a big influence and this is my last last introduction is that I was I had a conversation with a bunch of middle schoolers on this topic. I was asking them. I said, "Who do you guys like to watch that you know talks about culture?" And they're like, "Oh man, Andrew Tate." And I'm like, "What do you like about Andrew Tate?" He's like, "He he he gets it. He gets it. What it is to be a man." And I'm like, "Really? Interesting. Why do you say that?" And so we just we just I just kept talking to about him. So talking to them about him and 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 what their thoughts on it. I think the the draw that Andrew Tate has is one. He's bombastic, and middle schoolers love bombastic. Mm-hmm. You know, over the top. They say edgy things. You know. Yeah, whatever. he's like a he's like a Gary V, but more approachable and like for yeah. like younger audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he also talks about cars, and he talks about guns, and he, yeah, and he talks about sex. So, like, kids love him. Uh, Older kids, they do. They do. It's it's a. It, this is also why my kids aren't going to have the internet for a long time growing yeah. up. It's just I'm scared of what they're going to be exposed to. But um, you don't so, think uh, you don't think the stock market's going to collapse and we're going to just devolve into this feudal system like you think? I pray for that. There's still going to be an internet when you have kids. The only thing that I'll be disappointed in that is they won't be able to watch reruns of the Shoot Shovel and Shut Up podcast. Oh, amen. I mean, the the direction the metaverse is heading in, we will be the internet. Whoa. Hey, hold on. Shoot, shovel, and shut up. Coming to you in 4D. Put on them. Real soon. Put on them VR goggles. You can hang out around the table. You can sit at this table with us in the metaverse. (laughs) Yeah. It'll be awesome. It's going to be great. You, me, and Zuck. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I think, to to cut this short, um, I think that what Andrew Tate offers is a correct analysis of culture and the problems therein. He diagnoses it accurately. The problem is his solutions are not only, I believe, harmful, but they're also, from our perspective, inherently non-Christian. And that then bleeds into the rest of these guys. Every single person that I referenced, even Jordan Peterson, even though it's kind of hard to tell sometimes, are not professing believers. Um, And so what I want... To hear from you guys because Camden, you've you've expressed interesting things, and Donovan, I know you got good thoughts. Uh, is like, wh- okay, what's the what's the benefit from guys like this who are like they agree with us, but they're not Christians? But then, what's the danger in listening to guys who are going to be promoting an idea that we, on the face value, would agree with, but then at the heart doesn't have Christ? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Um... You gotta ask 
It was the question that I would be asking if I wasn't a believer and I was being told to do these things is what's the point? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess maybe it could, you know, benefit society or even the economy of just being a hardworking man because mm-hmm. it does. Um, or even benefit you individually. Right. Yeah. But my financially, you know, my driving role in, you know, just working and exercising and, you know, taking care of myself, being a good leader um, is primarily because that is what I think as a man we were created for. We were created, mm-hmm. you know, talk about in Genesis, you know, we were created to work and to um, to serve and to lead. And so for someone who does not have, you know, Jesus at the center of their life, who is saying, you need to do these things, they firmly believe that that they're, that's what men are designed to do. But, you know, what's telling them that? And mm-hmm. so I think that where's leads the standard to, where's, where's the standard? Mm-hmm. And so I think my hope is that as these men are telling young men or even older men that like, hey, like you... This is important that you do these things. I hope that we would ask the question, like, you know, why? Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that we would genuinely seek an answer. Yeah. And if it's truly good, if and, it's yeah. morally superior, why? Like, why is that morally? If if there and if there's a moral code out there, where does that moral code come from? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's really good. Yeah, I think asking that question of why is kind of hitting it on the head because, you know, we've been using the term like laughter liberalism is kind of like a catch-all but i think specifically what a lot of these guys are going against is the elements of you know, what we would call like woke culture or cancel culture and like those because you know so joe rogan's a great example of like a guy who politically could kind of be all over the place but he's definitely against like wokeness and cancel culture and right. stuff like that but uh i don't know i read a really fascinating book over this past summer uh it's by uh carl truman it's called the rise and triumph of the modern self and what it's about is, so he's this philosopher, and he's he's alive, and uh, he's talking about this idea. Oh, there's of, a link in the description. Oh, there's a link book. for apparently. There will be. Brayden generated it. Brayden is so good, it, man. It's incredible. He drinks protein shakes, and the links just come right out. Oh um, man, Brayden known as the odd nun coming odd through nun. clutch. Yep. But uh, but no, so he talks about this concept Hold on, of one more time. What's the book called? Uh, the Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Link in the description below. Yeah, and he's also got an abridged version uh, that the um, that's uh, Rise and Triumph, big book. Okay. Um, but the abridged version's got all the good stuff. I can't think of the name right now, but we'll we'll get it down there. Sweet. Right. Um, but so yeah, it's about this concept of expressive individualism. Is this thing that he mm. uh, he says has like taken over the culture? Um, and expressive individualism, in the way that he describes it, is basically this idea that. You know, you are wholly defined in the way that you choose to be. You know, like you get to be the complete source of who you are as an individual. Which you know, is what we're all told as kids, man. You grow yeah. up and you, what do you want to be when you grow exactly. up? Exactly. You get to define yourself. And then what it, what it shifts the morality to is it says, man, your now moral obligation is to live as true to what yourself is as possible. Mm. And you get to define what that is whenever you want to. You can change your mind. You can do whatever. But you just always need to be living true to yourself. It's in the modern culture, it's sin to not be true to yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we see that the big thing that, that we've been we've been frustrated with um, as Christians watching this culture, you know, we talk about the rise of, you know, different aberrant sexual philosophies and stuff. And... Um, Freaking love you, Camden. Yeah, abhorrent just just all abhorrent sexual philosophies. Yeah, and um, the word of that is abhor, by the way, which is abhorrent. to hate. 
it's, it's bad. But um, bad stuff. Abort. And just different political ideologies and all yeah. of these things that we've seen come up. Um, you know, is at this root of, well, I just need to find out what myself is and then do whatever it takes to be myself. Mm-hmm. And so what worries because me. Because I would be, I would be morally, I am morally obligated to it because I'll be cheating myself of my, fulfilling my true happiness if I yeah. don't allow my true self to be expressed. Yeah. And how dare you not let me do that? Yeah. Um, and so to Donnie's point about asking the why and the morality behind it is what worries me is we see guys who are just shifting that needle in a different direction. Mm-hmm. We're saying it's still all about me just doing what makes me feel good and fulfilling myself. Yeah. It's just, these happen to be things that on the surface are more palatable to us. You know, like right. we talk about, you know, pursuing strength, pursuing, you know, uh, industriousness, pursuing, you know, being a, a good husband. Cause all of those things, you know, those are commanded to us in the scripture, but part of the reason God commands them to do it to us is cause that's how we're built mm-hmm. to enjoy those things and to love those things. And so even if you're just doing it, you're going to get some measure of satisfaction out of it. Like there's, this strength coach, um, I can't think, I'm blanking on his name right now, but he has this quote that I always love where he says, there is no situation in which strength would not make you happier. Mm. says, a weak man can be happy in any situation, but in every situation, that weak man would be happier if he were a strong man. <laughs> absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, and that's true, you know, and so people are pursuing that and they're finding fulfillment in that and that's great to a point and i think that's where we have to keep our guard up as christians Mm. oh yes so so you're what you're saying is like what these guys are offering jocko offers discipline um jordan peterson uh, offers just general um betterment of self be it be it discipline be it intellectual be it cleanliness uh, cleanliness Yeah. yeah yeah and then like um david goggins uh, he would say like run, just yes. go, you know, be hard, you know, mm-hmm. and so like, and then, but then Andrew Tate, he says, make, make money. money, yeah, drive big fast cars, be strong, and then anybody who uh, disagrees with you, destroy them, destroy them, yeah, get, get be, but he, like, I think that's awesome what you were saying about the uh, you know being being yourself, you know, the modern self, radical yeah. individualism, where mm-hmm. it's it's like that is the exact same thing. Andrew Tate saying, I'm going to be myself because it makes me happy, is the exact same philosophy that the person says, uh, you need to tell me, you need to call me, as a biological man, yeah. a woman. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing as, as the kid who insists that he gets to drink from a dog bowl because he's a dog now. Yeah. You know, like... Yep. It, Kids it are looks, pooping in litter boxes nowadays. Yeah. It looks better to be Andrew Tate for a while, not in Romanian prison. No. Um, but it's still... Because it it's is a little simple. bit closer. Yeah, it's a little yeah. closer to the biblical order, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's identifying as a man. Props to him. Yeah. You know, he is trying. He's 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 making the most of his resources. He's giving jobs to other people. You know, those are all mm-hmm. good things. But then also, he's accused of human trafficking, which is abhorrent. Yeah. Uh, he also. Um, is I, I, I wish uh, hey uh, Braden if you can in post production put in a clip of Andrew Tate saying that women are not as cool as men or you know they're 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 they're, they're worse than men. Like it's a, a blatant, I didn't know he said it's that. It's a blatant <laughs> sexist statement. He, like you know most people will say well, like most people in this realm will say that men and women are different, which I will yeah. agree with. I think that what mm-hmm. men and women are good at can have some overlap, but they're generally separate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean we're equal because we're not. But it also doesn't mean that one's then better. It's just different, right? Like Andrew yeah. Tate straight up says, 
men are better. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, if you can find a clip like that to link to give an extra description. Uh, so, you know, like things like that, I'm like, no. And so that's where, as somebody who sees him growing in popula- popularity, especially among young men who want to make their lives better and want to push mm-hmm. back against progressivism, yeah. I'm like, this is not your answer. This is the antithesis of your answer is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. Abhor Andrew Tate. You know, I, I like the other guys a little more, you know, even though they're not believers. Oh, Ben Shapiro was the other guy I want to talk about, but he's yeah. all right. Um, you know, where it's like, uh, if, if you're listening to this and you really like, you know, you, you really enjoy those Andrew Tate shorts on YouTube and Instagram, did stop, <laughs> you know, so put, put, you know, click those three little dots and say, do not recommend, you know, mm-hmm. and like, don't follow him. Don't give him your support because he claims to support the things that are good, but the way he goes about it is completely non-Christian. And yeah, I think it's just it just it's like anything. It calls for for clear-headedness. Mm-hmm. You know, like just whenever we're engaging with any material, even if it claims to be Christian, you know, it's just being aware of what you're listening to, having your filters on, like. And we can listen to these guys, you know, we can listen to non-Christian guys and we can get value from it and we can get, you know, you're not going to be wrong for getting a a marathon training plan from David Goggins, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but just, just know what you're doing, you know, Mm -hmm. know that you're handling. Go into it wide, eyes open. Yeah, don't, basically I think the principle is, unless it is Christ, don't full-heartedly throw yourself behind anything. Mm. Yeah. You know, um. Yeah, and just think about, like, you know, Joe Rogan is super big into, like, health and, um, you know, like, being physically healthy, mentally healthy, and, you know, you were talking about, uh, like, Andrew Tate, big into money and success and everything, and it's like, but ultimately, you're going to get to the end of your life, your your health is going to fail, your brain is going to fail. Um, your your kids mo- spend all your money. Your kids spend all your money. <laughs> like, you, you don't get to take your money with you when you die. Yeah. Um, the one thing that will not fail and that will remain constant for literally all of eternity and not change, not fluctuate one bit is Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so not to say any of these other things are bad, they're just not going to last. Yeah. Christ will last. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that isn't like your drive and your purpose for everything, if you do not have the one goal, which is to like glorify and honor like Christ... Um, then it's all it's all just empty, empty wealth, empty fame. Um, it's an idol. It's an idol. Yeah. Gospel treason, baby. Yeah. Gospel treason. <sighs> Still mm-hmm. not so. Idolatry over. is rooted in the heart. <laughs> the heart of man produces evil continually, is what I heard. Did you perhaps hear that from John Calvin? I, from the Bible, actually, that one. Oh, that's right. John Calvin <laughs> said the heart is a factory of idols. Yeah. Which, where, did, where did John Calvin hear it from? Well, he quoted that. That's his quote. But he um, got the quote from the Bible. Come on. So you know that uh, all three of us at this table mm-hmm. are in the uh, faith lineage of John Calvin directly. Ow. So so let me let me explain that. So I have a chart. That, okay. I have a chart that was put together uh, by Princeton. And did this chart put did, did did Princeton put this chart together for you? No, no, no. Okay. They did not put it together for me specifically. Okay. A friend of mine. Put it together for me specifically from Princeton. Oh, that's so sweet. So, um, so technically, Princeton put it together specifically for that's, you. That's true. That's true. But so Princeton, you know, was founded as a seminary by Jonathan Edwards. Um, and oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's, a big, that's a big sigh. 
that was you all right you're doing okay there uh, i just feel really good now but yeah so princeton <laughs> was founded by jonathan edwards and jonathan edwards at the time was able to trace his lineage of faith back to john calvin by saying hey this is the guy who taught me christianity and this is the guy who taught that guy christianity this is the guy who taught that guy christianity going back to calvin and so Jonathan Edwards got to him, yep. and then ever since then, Princeton's been tracing it down, and that goes all the way down to a guy named, uh, oh shoot, what's Brody his name? Holloway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but it, all, it goes all the way down ultimately to a person who has taught all of us the Bible and Christianity, uh, Zechariah Mabry. Oh, so, whoa. yeah, of course. And so through Zechariah Mabry, uh, all of us are ultimately uh, in the in the lineage of Calvin. Praise the Lord. Yeah. What if we get Zach on the podcast? <laughs> I think we could. I yeah. think he'd have a, a blast. He would. He, I think we could we we come up with some good questions to ask him. He's from Louisville. He'll definitely drink L eight. Oh yeah. <laughs> Just make sure not to give him this one. He'll pop a late one. L eight one. Did you urinate in there? I did. While we were recording? Bro, we made eye contact. Are you kidding me? You yeah. didn't hear the zipper? No, I missed that whole thing. Because I saw you finish it off, yeah. and then I looked, and I saw there was liquid in there again, and I was like, huh. Blew his mind. You just blew my mind. Not many people can say they've peed on camera. <laughs> <laughs> and this, and is pro- this is probably a podcast first anywhere. <laughs> Go watch YouTube and see if you can catch me doing it. Oh my gosh. I don't know, maybe... Uh... How did I miss that? (laughs) I freaking love this thing. You gotta be some guy with a catheter, right? You know, he's just, he's a trickle this whole time. I promise that no catheter is used in the production of this video. Drink to that. You gonna drink to that? No, I am not. I'm not touching my bottle to your bottle. I have done that once by accident. I'll never do it again. It's disgusting. Drank so, your own pee? Yeah. Have you ever drank your own pee? No. Have you have you not? No, not accidentally? No. So correct have me you? if I'm wrong, but if you're in a survival situation and you drink your own pee, it'll dehydrate you more. I don't I, all I know is I've heard repetitively that it just is not necessarily it doesn't people say it's good to get it through your system another time. Mm-hmm. And that's a that right there is not true. Whether or not it actually dehydrates you more, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Because I think your body is, you know, by urinating, you're also expelling salt. Right, you're yeah. getting rid of all the things your body doesn't want. All that salt, which dehydrates you, back into your body. I would imagine it's not good. Don't drink your urine in a survival situation. Yeah. I mean, or just ever. <laughs> I mean, I in any have... situation. Yeah. Well, unless it's an accident. So how do you guys wrap this up? Yeah. How? How? What? How? Fifty what? minutes in. We got ten more minutes to talk. Well, we have to cut out that whole last three minutes. No, there. we don't. <laughs> it is staying. <clears throat> derailed the entire conversation. Well, I felt like it was nearing the end of it, the point anyway. Okay, like you guys said. Well, uh, in this last uh, ten minutes, I do want to talk about um, a good biblical influence for I think masculinity. Mm. Um, in oh, way, instead of because we got all these masculine right. influences. Yeah, not. I mean, okay, obvi- obviously Jesus. <laughs> yes. Um, but, um, or before I get into that, I do want to say, I think, you know, toxic masculinity is a big, um, 
I guess theme or something that you know people, especially on the left, will talk about yeah. um, a lot today. And um, I do agree that it is a thing. Yeah, it's it's called Andrew Tate. Yeah, that is yeah, absolutely. Uh, listen, um, dude, the guy goes to prison for sex trafficking, and you just dog on him. Like, come on. Yeah, like, I dogged on him before <laughs> he went to prison. All right, but I think I think a good biblical example is David. Yeah, Thompson. Uh, well, well, David Thompson, who should a also friend be of ours. He needs to listen. He told me he was going to listen to this podcast, so we know what we're going to do. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. You know, David uh, from the Bible that, right. we, that we've been referencing this right. episode. Um. Yeah, so I'll imperfect talk, I'll talk about that a little bit. He's imperfect. Um, he did a lot of good and a lot of bad, and there's a lot you can learn from. Um, but I think one of the things that I think is really cool about you know learning from David is in the world of toxic masculinity, it's almost like creativity is shunned. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like he was he was a songwriter, darn right. Wrote poems, played the lyre, the lyre. Lyre. I mean, it's like a mini harp, I think. Yeah, ran well, around I mean, in robes. Yeah, and then like, but he yeah. did he did those things, like to the best of his ability to glorify the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the the root of masculinity is glorifying the Lord in whatever you do. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I want to hear y'all's thoughts on that. Well, I would say I think that is such a real trap. You know, when you start to say, "Hey, I want to take, you know, my masculinity seriously or whatever," is that mm-hmm. you can you can get into this mindset where you're like, "Okay, so now I just need to." go out and grab all of these things that appear masculine and just make them who I am. Right. Um, Put on my cool pants. I want to dress like Grand Thumb, and then my personality's <laughs> complete. Yeah, you know. You get the reference, you get the reference. But uh, but it's just not necessary. You know, like, right. you can absolutely, you know, be a glory to the Lord while being a guy who's, like, naturally really skinny and cuffs his pants and... <sighs> I know, even though, know, even though OT. <laughs> I'm, I'm raising that old school, man. If you cuff your yeah. pants, you're going to hell. <laughs> what if I told you my pants are cuffed right now? Right, as we speak. See, I've been trying to work on that, all right? I, I don't actually believe it. I try and have diverse friends that teach me new things about the beauty of humanity. I cuff my pants <laughs> to the glory of the Lord, man. But, like, I mean, I've had friends like this uh, in college especially who were mm-hmm. just super different from me, like on super different wavelengths yeah. um, as far as, like, hobbies and interests and things like that. But I loved going through that process of learning that, okay, even though this guy feels off to me and my natural self, mm-hmm. you know, like we're not into the same things. Right. I can still respect the fact that this guy is pursuing the Lord and what he's doing. Yeah. Um, like, okay, I'm trying to, one of my favorite examples is a friend of mine who quit his job and quit his job to pursue playing video games full time professionally. Fascinating. Um, you don't usually, you know, uh, conflate masculinity and success and being a godly man and video games and video games those, those are usually like divergent yeah but so he's a competitive video game player and he uses it as a ministry to reach out to all these people at these tournaments wow. who you're talking about you know like the the sweaty neck beard type everything you can think of uh i went with him one time to one of these tournaments and there was literally a guy there dressed up in like a maid outfit oh, like no. a like the anime type of deal, the like whole the thing. Like the black dress, the yeah, white bibs. you know, and it was bonnet. a guy. Yeah. And so he goes and he puts himself in these situations, oh. in these environments, and he's a witness for the gospel. And it like That's very, cool. very strong, very confident evangelist. And then he's good at what he does, and he gets mm. to be invited to go to those tournaments and be a part of those things. And I think to take this all the way back, got almost full, full circle to your point of the book yeah. you referenced, which was? 
uh, rise and triumph of the modern self. Link in the description below. Mm-hmm. You feel uh, smart every time you say it. Mm. I mean, you <laughs> sounded incredibly intelligent talking about it throughout. So I think you, I think you, I think you, you did some good old like sponge brain of just soaking it all in. Oh yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, it's talking about how modern America says, "Be the best you you can be, and then you'll be happy." Yeah. And I think that resonates with us to such a level because that is what God has commanded us to do. Mm-hmm. But it's with a slight twist. Now you define what you are. Yeah. What we have to do is look and see what God defines us as. Yeah. And then live our best to that. Because in that, then we're going to be satisfied because who are we to try and define ourselves? Everyone mm. who knows anything, who's experienced any amount of life, knows that life is complicated. Yeah. Like, we might know ourselves the best because we live with ourselves, <laughs> but we still, like, I confuse myself on the daily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I need to look to God to give me definition, to give me meaning. And so once I find mm. his meaning, then I can pursue that. And that often looks like taking care of your body, being a good husband, making an awesome podcast that points people to the Lord and says, screw you, Andrew Tate. <laughs> so anyway, man, this has been awesome, guys. Yeah, and I, I agree with what you said there, um, but I don't want to make it sound easier than it is. Mm. Like, obviously, yeah. like, you know, oh, follow, sure. follow the Lord, let him define who you are. But, you know, I still, you know, I don't know what I want to do with my life, but that's yeah. that's not what that looks like. Um, it's like I can I can be... Just feel like I'm lost in my path, but know like, okay, I'm going to trust the Lord with this Mm -hmm. and, you know, let him guide me. Um, Just be prayerful through certain situations and just lead however I feel like he's following me, Um, you know, like just through prayer, through like daily reading of his word. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's so easy to just make excuses of like, hey, God isn't answering my prayers or anything. But it's like, really, if you're not starting with prayer and with the daily reading of scripture, mm-hmm. then you've, you're have you already on the wrong track. You're already on the deficit. Yes. You're already in the hole. Brody said to me one time, and those of you who don't know who Brody is, he's my pastor, all of our pastor, uh, and yep. he, uh, he's he been really influential in my life. And I was talking to him about that very thing where I was like, man, I feel like I don't have any direction. I feel like, you know, God's not speaking to me, like in, in really a really specific calling. You know, some people say, man, ever since I was... 10 years old, I knew I wanted to be on the mission field or, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah. And they're doing that now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, why don't I feel that? You know, I've got this vague sense of I want to be this cool guy that people yeah. like and that does cool things. But mm-hmm. yeah. one, how do you make money doing that? And two, what does that actually look like? You know, <laughs> uh, But th- what he told me is he said, Orrin, you need to quit waiting for God to open a door for you. You've got a bunch of doors in front of you. And what you need to do is pick a door and and try and open it. And if it doesn't open it, you need to look and see if there's a lock that you can pick. And if you can't pick a lock, you need to run full force and hit the door. And if the door doesn't budge, that means God doesn't want you to go through that door. Amen. And so you find another one. You either look and see if one starts opening, and you just keep trying new doors. And it's all with under the umbrella of understanding what God has for my life. And so for those of you listening to this podcast, I just want to encourage you, if you're feeling directionless and you're a Christian... Understand that God has given us a lot of flexibility. You know, he says, honor me. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with, do it unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you eat or you sleep or whatever you do, do it to the glory of the Lord, right? And so 
that's a lot of freedom. You know, if, if it's yeah. pursuing a college degree, um, go and do that degree to the best of your ability. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to get all A's to glory the Lord. It means you have to give your 100%. And if that's, you know, a B or a C, you know, it's mm-hmm. like that. that's not the big deal. The big deal is did you work your hardest to produce an excellent product? Um, if you're making a podcast, you know, we're trying to, you know, make a content that's useful for other people, enjoyable for us and honoring to the Lord, you know, whatever it is, you know, right now I'm working in sales. Did I see myself working in sales? Do I see myself continuing to work in sales? Not necessarily, but while I'm there, I'm going to try and do it to the excellence of the Lord. And in yeah. that you're going to find meaning. And eventually the, if, if, if you're submitting to the Lord and saying, God, my life is yours, and I'm going to live every day like it is. He's going to start develop. He's going to start developing that, and that's been that's that's given me a lot of hope in my insecurity of my future direction. Yeah, as believers, we can take confidence in the fact that we serve an all-knowing God who knows our path, and I find a lot of comfort in the fact that I'm not the one who like I don't have to worry about it. Obviously, I'm going to to work hard and follow that path to the best of my ability for what I've, where I feel like he's leading me, but I know that's, you know, in his hands. Um, and he sees the, he sees time laid out before him cause he laid it out mm-hmm. and it'll be okay. That's right. Mm. Well, Camden, you got anything else? <sighs> got any dad advice for the listeners? Any dad advice? Yeah. Just, you know, good, good, good life advice. Mm. Healthy living. Living the good life. Growing the brain. Yeah. Being good to people. Um, I'll say one of the, one of the things that I've tried to live by, and I think this is something that is, that is sorely lacking in the Mm -hmm. world around me. Um, you know, just in the world at large, but people are always like, man, like I want to, you know, I want to be, I want to be interesting. I want to be well liked. I want to be funny. Like you you have all these personality traits that like you want to add to yourself but it's just kind of ethereal, like how do you become cooler? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wish I knew. Yeah, but Wrong what I would ask. what I would tell all of those people is, I was like, man, the way to start all of that process is to just start caring more. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's such a such a lack of care in the world around us. You know, we we live these like lackadaisical lives, just consuming whatever TikTok spoon feeds us next. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, like be curious about the world around you. Uh, be interested in what's happening. And when you have a question that pops into your mind, don't just dismiss it, but chase it down and find the answer. Mm, Be passionate. Yeah, be a passionate person. I think that solves a lot of those weird interpersonal things that I think you really deal with in like your late teens and 20s. Man, I tell you what, having this podcast to be passionate about each week, you know, to, to get in and record and try to do something with excellence, as small as that is, um, has been something that's just given me motivation, has improved Mm -hmm. my mood, has improved my um, desire to go out and do other things that are harder for me to get into. You know, when I, when I'm, I'm not passionate about my work, you Mm -hmm. know, but I'm passionate about doing something that matters, you know, and this podcast is mostly a hobby, but I think it matters on a small scale. And so, you know, just having something to be passionate about, like you were saying, uh, that's what, that's what the society needs. It needs people who care about the world around them cares about something that they're going after mm-hmm. be it your your work if you can find it in your work that's awesome yeah. you know and, and i'm still looking for that you know and i think we all are mm-hmm. um to an extent but you know right now you know my desire is 
to you know start a family you know find yeah. a find a woman that would be my wife you know and desires and so, for a woman <laughs> I know and, and raise and raise a family that loves the Lord yeah. you know like that's my goal right now that I feel like I can really pour that into uh, and 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 be passionate about you know and so for those of you listening you know if you want something to you know if you want your life to get better um, and and to, to have more meaning some of that with in, in subjection to the Lord is up to you, you know, give you, give your life meaning by finding something you're passionate about and going after it. Cause there's a good chance God made you to do it. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, cool. That's some good dad advice, Camden. Thanks. Yeah. Um, is and, this the, uh, uh, the section now where we nominate somebody? Yes. Yes, it is. Sweet. Uh, so Donovan. You go out. Okay. And, uh, uh, so for, uh, our invitation this week, we would like to invite David Thompson uh, to be on the podcast. So, David, David, we would love it if you would join us. Freaking listen to an episode. Yeah, you tell me all yeah. the time you're just never going to listen, and that's not what a good friend does. So, if not for me, if not for Donovan, for Cam Dog, Cameron Schwarting. And for Braden. It's not Cameron, it's Camden. <laughs> and for Braden, who puts in all the hard work. Uh, so, come on this podcast. We'll talk about some fun things. We love you, buddy.